Located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible study, 7 p.m. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we are faithful. We're bold. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Again, I want to thank you for joining the online service of Cornerstone of Grace. If you're looking for a church home, growth, ministry, I want to invite you to join us, to grow with us, and to be blessed with us. And we're not going to prolong the time, but we're going to jump right into the Word of God. And, and so I want to direct your attention to the 18th chapter of Genesis. Whether you have your paper uh, back book or digital or you're on your phone the 18th chapter of Genesis now we're in the book of Genesis touching what is referred to as the law of particularization moving from the general to the particular we're, we're traveling here you know certainly thank God for what he is doing and opening our understanding and you know, it's nothing like taking your time to understand the word of God. And, you know, um, we're, we're just looking at the word of God for what he is saying, what it is and what it means to us today, what it means right now in this moment. So we're looking at the law of particularization, moving from the general to the particulars, the, the universe earth man and spirit of course we have to deal with those things that are spiritual there's no way around that there's no way around the spirit you're a spirit i am a spirit a man is trichotomy meaning that he is body soul and spirit i was talking with my sister evangelist royston um and I, I told her, I said, I'm on my way to the gym. I, you know, I thank God for a reasonable portion of health. And, um, you know, I said, you know, I think I'm going to hold on to this body a little while. cosmological, the cause of all things, and the teleological, the designing mind behind everything. You know, Genesis 15 and 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, for I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. And we should remember that even in this moment. Another scripture that, that comes to mind that is you know that we all must uh come to terms with is is that the lord spoke to abraham also in the 17th chapter of genesis and the bible says and when abram was 99 years old or excuse me <laughs> the scripture says and when abram was 90 years old and nine the lord appeared to abram and said unto him i am the almighty God walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, so there, there's two things. So first of all, God is your protector and he is your exceeding great reward. The other is that the Lord spoke to Abraham at a time in his life where 
according to God. And this is me. The scripture does not say according to God. This is this is me. Pastor Carl Henderson, uh, book one, uh, chapter one, verse one. All right. And there are many uh, verses within that chapter and, and that same verse. But I think you understand what I'm saying. It, it comes a time when we all have to stop and mature. Abram was 99 years old and the Lord speaks to him and tells him to cut out the shenanigans. You know, time, time to stop. You know, the, the things that we do, the things that we uh, make excuses for in our own mind. It comes a time when we have to stop doing that. We have to lay some things aside. Uh, the Bible said, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset you. You know, and so there comes a time that we have to just shut those things down, shut down the foolishness. You know, it's time out. It just comes a time. And as people mature, you see them doing that. So it's not something new. You see people cutting out the foolishness and they they begin to shed. You know, if you if you have a cat or if you have a dog or I don't know, some other um pet they shed their hair you know snakes shed their skin no i'm not calling you a snake because there's new growth and so as you mature and as you grow you start shedding some things you start shedding behaviors you start shedding even friends and acquaintances that you hung with for years you know might have considered them as your road dog and you know, and, and, you know, you can't go nowhere without your girls and all those different things that we use to describe, you know, our, our buddies and stuff like that. But as you start to mature and start to do things, you start to shed and you start to let some things go. And you may not let go of everyone, but you certainly will let go of what you feel is an anchor or a ball and chain that, um, you know, and so the Lord tells him to that it's time to to let some things go. You know, walk before me and be thou perfect. And so we have to consider that. What am I doing? What am I doing in the presence of the Lord? Now, Abram, remember, he's been bugging. He's been bugging. We bug sometime too. He's been bugging, Lord. Um, I, I want a child. I, I want. I want someone that I can leave my fortune to. I, I don't have an heir, you know, and the one that is in my house is a servant. He's been faithful and I would have to leave everything to him. But that's not my heart's desire. I'll do it because that's because, you know, I'm uh, uh, but that's not what I want. That's not what I want. And so now he's at an age and, and God tells him, you know, and, and I think that he's told this. Because God is, is preparing to bless him. He's preparing him. And so whatever you've been praying about, whatever you've been seeking the Lord about, whatever you have um, that your hope is, then you need to consider laying some things aside. You, you know, it don't mean that that what you're laying aside is impacting, but it could be impacting uh, what you want. And so you want to speed up a process, so to speak. And, and God knows uh, how to reach into time where he would uh, bless you and pull that blessing into this time. And so we're not going to stay right there. I just want to share that with you. And that, that's Genesis 15 and 1 and Genesis 17 and 1. And so we're here in the... Um, Genesis the 18th chapter, and we're going to start here at verse. Um, let's start at verse 19, and I, I have my Bible here in front of me, so you may hear pages turn. Uh, I, my Bible was in the trunk of my car, and um, it was getting kind of beat up in the trunk. But and it's already old. Uh, this particular one that I'm using is already old and taped up. And matter of fact. I, I have a newer one, but I love this one because I have notes written all on it. It's highlighted and, and handwriting from yesteryears that 
may not even be distinguishable at this moment, but the 19th verse says, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Let, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Lord, for your word this evening and ask that you would bless. Lord God, help us to receive understanding. Help us to have wisdom, Lord, to use what you give to us, Lord, both naturally and spiritually, Lord God. We honor you, Lord God, and thank you for those that are tuning in, those that will tune in later. Lord God, those that are present, we thank you, Lord, for your kindness and ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bless them. You know the need of each individual. You know, Lord God, the thoughts on their mind. You know the, the spoken prayer requests, and you know the prayer requests that have not been uttered. But you know how to bless. Lord Jesus, you know those that are faithful, those that are not. Lord God, you know those that are seeking, Lord God, and want to hear your voice say, a good and faithful servant. Lord Jesus, and those that are going through the motion. We pray and ask that you would stir up the hearts of, of the people, Lord God, Lord Jesus, and that you would stir up the mind of those that are have the, that are in the valley of decision, Lord God, that they should leave that valley, Lord God, and walk on to the, uh, to the straight and narrow path that you have uh, laid out, Lord God, that, uh, that if they are truly seeking you, there's no error, that they'll be all right. Bless them to understand and know that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the 19th verse I read, so let's read it again. For I know him. And it's important to understand that God speaks of Abram in such a way. I know him. I know him. And the Lord, does he know you? Now, many claim that, um, that they know others. You know, your favorite soccer player, uh -huh. you know, the stats and everything, you know, and basketball, you know, the stats of your of that team player. But they know nothing about you. They don't know where you work. You know where they work. You know, they don't know. They don't even know your name. Let's just be truthful about it. You want the Lord to know your name and you want him to know your name in a good way. You want him to say, I know him. I know her. You want him to testify like he's done for so many others. He's testifying on Abram's behalf. And can God testify on your behalf? He will. If you uh, live that life where he can do that. He testified on Joe's behalf. He said, have you considered my servant, Job? He was testifying on his behalf. He testified on David's behalf. David was faithful in everything that the Lord asked of him. And, and the Lord acknowledges, except for that one thing. But other than that, besides that one thing, he was faithful. God testified on his behalf. And so the Lord will testify for you. I know him. Well, what do you know about him? Uh, that he will command his children and his household. So there is no compromise there. He's not going to compromise his lifestyle. He's not going to compromise because I, I already spoke to him. I already told him to, to walk before me and be perfect. I've already ordered his steps. The Bible said the steps of a righteous man are ordered uh, by the Lord. And so I've already ordered his steps just as God has ordered your steps. He's ordered your steps. Now, you know, if you've been in military or paramilitary or you've been on a, in team sports or anything like that, there are orders that are given to each individual or collectively in some uh, that that you may do on that's going whatever it is is going to benefit the team. And, and so the Lord said he's going to command his children. Now, there are those that believe that, well, I should not make my children go to church. Well, but you make them go to school. 
And you say, well, if they go to school, you know, why should I make them go to church? Well, the Bible says uh, to train up a child in the way they should go. You, if you don't teach them of the Lord now, when are they going to learn? Yeah, that is your responsibility. They, they help them understand who God is, sovereign God. Help them to know him. But if you don't teach him, teach them, you know, and some children uh, learn afterwards. Now, my mom did not make me go to church. Well, let, let me let me let me rephrase that. I recall going to church when we were younger. As we grew older, there was no demand to go to church, but my I had some praying uh, grandparents. Grandfather played the guitar in service, uh, and he would I would I recall hearing him uh, in the in his bedroom singing songs unto the Lord, just having personal devotion. And I recall him playing, watching him play at church. And that was at a very young age uh, uh, before his demise. And then my grandmother, and, and, but we went to church. You did not go to my auntie's house or to my grandmother's house or uh, none of the aunties. And you were not going to service. You were not staying home to watch TV, play football, do anything. You went to service. How is it today that we don't honor the Lord that the entire family go? How is it today that we allow? And it doesn't mean that 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 you know that as you your children, the word of God is instilled in them that they may not stray. But like a yo-yo, uh, they can come back because there's that there's a connection that that will draw them back. And so your children will love you for teaching in the way. Now, my children, they told me one day, they said that we, we don't understand why uh, you raised us a certain way. Uh, they used to say that because they knew where I was from and they knew my background and um, they understood, you know, how I came up in, uh, in certain areas of Los Angeles. And I didn't um, apply that in their lives. I took them away from certain things so that they could raise them differently. But as they got older, each one of them said, I appreciate what you did. I, I get it now. I understand what you did and why you did it. And they were held accountable. They had to be in service. Uh, even as they reached in, into their teens, their uh, high school years, that that was a requirement. You, you had to go to church. And, and so, um, you know, and, and not only go to church, but participate. I didn't demand that they participated, but they participated, you know, but be in service. We're not going to just be here and you're going to go on, on Sunday. I'm going to go this way and you're going to go that way. And then we're going to come back together. No, um, and so how is it that we allow that today, that we give permission for our children to stay home and to neglect? We're neglecting a responsibility and we're neglecting the salvation of our children by allowing them to do that. He will command his children and his household, meaning his servants, now, Chick-fil-A, um, again, they're not open on Sundays and people wanted to protest and, and say things negative about Chick-fil-A not being open on Sundays, you know, as if you really need another chicken sandwich. They're honoring the, the, their belief. Uh, do we honor as employee employers or managers, employees, do we honor the Lord and our function, our responsibilities, even on the job, that they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, and the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So there's a blessing in our obedience 
in our obedience and are encouraging others to be obedient, whether they're obedient or not, but we put them in a position that it does not impact the house. Now, Achan, and we're not there yet. We, we're still in Genesis, but there was a gentleman by the name of Achan and his family, and they took something. He took something and hid it in the tent, buried it, you know, trying to hide it. And it impacted not only him, but his entire family. So what you do is going to have an impact on you and your entire family. Maybe not today, but you've plant, we, we all have seeds planted and these seeds spring forth. And then we need the word of God to act sometime as a germicide to kill uh, some of the bad seeds that's been planted in us. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous. Now, uh, the Lord is, is expressing his distaste for the sin of these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, I will go down now and see whether they have what they whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to go down and see. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abram stood yet before the Lord. So the Lord is expressing a dislike and he's expressing this to Abram. The Bible says that the, the two angels that accompany him, and remember, they've eaten barbecue and um, they've had some milk and they had some butter and they had some bread. And now they're going on and Abram is still with the Lord, with God himself. And Abram drew near and said, "Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He asked the Lord a question. Now, I've heard people say you should not question God. Well, how are you going to get an answer if you don't ask a question? And so there's nothing wrong with communing with God. If you are, and I encourage you that if you are a dreamer, you know, some of us have dreams and within the dream, you are consciously aware of your surroundings. You are consciously aware of what is transpiring and you can interact with what is going on. And sometimes we don't. And it's an opportunity for you to talk to the Lord and you don't take that opportunity. Listen, if you are a dreamer, if God has blessed you with dreams and visions, I want to encourage you to take the time to ask questions, to talk. I had a dream. I shared a, a, a little bit of a dream with uh, with one of the deacons on Sunday because he had a dream. And it confirmed the dream that I had had. And so um, I was as I talked with him, I, I told him that in the dream that I was in, um, I in that moment, I questioned if I was just dreaming. Is this just me thinking these things? You know, because sometimes we have dreams and visions and it's just us. It's us because maybe of something we've eaten, because of something we've watched on TV, because um, we have been listening to certain songs. And so it has now painted an image in our minds. And, and you know, we've been surfing the web and we have all these images. We have these visions of things that can appear while we're sleeping. And when I asked a question in the dream, I thought within myself, is am I dreaming what's going on here? Immediately, I was told to go and read a particular passage of scripture. I knew in that instance that I was not dreaming a regular dream, but it was a message. And when I went to the scripture, which was a chapter long uh, that I was instructed to read from the dream, it covered everything 
that was in the dream. And I had not been in that book studying it at all. Matter of fact, if you would have asked me, was that a book of the Bible? I would have only known it by name because I had not been studying it. I was far from studying that book. But it covered everything in a dream, all because I asked a question. And that's not the first time. And that's not boasting of myself. It's just something that, as I have read through the word of God, that you can talk to God. Now, we we talk to him in prayer. The Bible said man should always pray and not faint. So you're talking to the Lord. But when I'm driving out on the freeway uh, headed to La Mirada uh, from, from where I live, sometimes I, I don't turn the radio on uh, at all. Other times I, it may be a long delay before I turn it on because I'm thinking. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm meditating on him. I'm having a conversation with him. And in my conversation, it leads to other things. I, I As I was meditating and thinking about the Lord and, and talking to him, I'm just thanking him and telling him how good he is to, my, to me. There was a song that I had not sung or heard in years, and I had to go and look it up to find out the words to it. But that came from the fact of, in prayer that this song began to serenade me. As you communicate with God, he responds. Well, they say, um, people in relationships say, whatever you do, you know, if you, if you do nice things for me, I'll reciprocate, you know, I like to reciprocate. Well, what do you think, what do you think God does? The Bible said we reap what we sow. So if you are talking to the Lord, you're going to reap a conversation. He's going to talk back to you. He's going to send Daniel prayed. The Bible said Daniel prayed in such a way uh, that, um, and when I say such a way, I don't mean that, that, that he was all over the floor and, you know, and foaming at the mouth and, you know, jumping over the pews and tables and, you know, they, the, the Chaldeans would have really thought something was crazy going on with him because they would see him sitting in the window facing the east. And he did that for a particular reason, uh, facing where the temple would be at. Uh, because the, the Bible said that Solomon had prayed and said, Lord, if the people are taken captive for, uh, because of the hardness of their heart, and I'm paraphrasing it, you know, if wherever they are, if they would face toward the temple and pray that you would hear them. And so that's why Daniel prayed out at that particular window and the people saw him sitting there praying. They knew he was sitting there meditating upon the Lord. And so uh, the Lord responded to him. He sent an angel uh, to let him know that your prayers was heard. Um, from the time that you started praying, you you have been heard and I'm come as a messenger, you know, and, and he goes on to tell him what happened along the way. Well, not only that, but also Cornelius. Uh, Car Carnelius was a centurion and in the book of Acts about the 10th chapter and, and he prayed, he sought the Lord. He, you know, he might've been at work. He was a, he was in charge of, of, of men and, but he was prayerful. He was prayerful and he honored uh, the Lord in prayer and talking to him. So, um, and, and in his activities as he helped the poor and he was a, he was a person of, that was interested in loving others, even though he was a soldier in the Roman army. The Bible said that his prayer went up as, and was as a memorial until the Lord remembered him and blessed him and sent the, the minister, Peter, to go and minister to him. And as he ministered to him, the Holy Ghost fell and, and they begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit of God gave utterance. That is the outward manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it is not a good feeling. Everybody can feel good. Anybody feel good. You feel good when you win money. You feel good when you have sex. You feel good when you are, uh, you get a raise on the job. You feel good when you win a race. You feel good after lifting weights. You feel good when things, there's a lot of reasons that you feel good. And that is not, you know, you feel good dancing and music and stuff. You feel good. But the Holy Ghost failed and it manifested itself just like it did on the day of Pentecost. And then Peter asked and said, hey, um, uh, these people, 
you know, there, there's waterless and they were all baptized in the name of Jesus uh, for the remission of their sins. All because Cornelius was talking to God. All because Cornelius was talking to God. Parents. Uh, the, the Bible said, I know him and he'll command his children. Talk to God about your children. He'll command his children in his household. Talk to God about the children and your employees. Talk to God about them. I didn't say be dogmatic. I didn't say beat them. Uh, don't use the word of God like a hammer or anything like that. Just talk to them. You don't even have to always bring up the scripture and, you know, what the Bible says. You don't have to do that. I, when I go to Disneyland, I'm not riding on the rides, laughing and talking about what the Bible says and all of that. I'm going to enjoy. I didn't forget God, but I, I'm going to enjoy those rides. And when I'm at Magic Mountain, which we're overdue to go, and I'm running to get on Colossians and some of the other rides that you might be scared of and won't get on, I'm getting on them. I love riding a roller coaster. And so, um, and so, I'm not talking about the Bible while I'm on the roller coaster. I'm too busy screaming because of the, because of the enjoyment of the ride. And my uh, those that I'm with are screaming too, and we're all enjoying one another screaming and and looking crazy and on the, at our pictures on the ride. That leads to other things because there's a connection that is made when you're out having fun. This is why Jesus. Uh, when you, we, we read about people eating together, there's a connection that is made when we eat together. There's a connection that's made, you know, as you're sitting there enjoying the food and laughing. Uh, there's a connection, telling telling jokes, talking about something funny you saw, something you read or something you saw on television, you know, that you wanted to share. There's a connection. And because the connection is good, it doesn't make uh, everything else so strenuous. So you, you connect with your children. And they might think you're kind of strange at first because you, you now you're starting to make a connection that you didn't make. but uh, Or they may be happy because you're making this connection that you hadn't made before. Same thing with your employees. And, and so the Lord um, is, is asked, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And he says, pre-adventure that uh, there be 50 righteous within the city. Now, uh, apparently Abram have a something motive, Abraham, his name has changed now to Abraham. Something is motivating him to ask this. Will, will you find, if you find 50 within the city, what will thou, will thou destroy and not spare the, the place of, for the 50 righteous that are therein? There be, there be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And no matter how many there, if there's a, if there is a hundred thousand people there, if you find 50. So it's already implied that the entire city is considered to be corrupted. Uh, will you slay? And the Lord said, if I shall find 50 in Sodom, 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the places for their sake. And Abram answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. I, I'm nobody. I, I know that. And God already knows that. He, he didn't have to make this statement, but he's, he's humbling himself uh, before the Lord, as we all should do. Preadventure, there shall lack five of the 50 righteous without destroy. So if it's 45, the Lord answers and said, I, I won't, I won't do it. I won't destroy it if it's 45. And he, and he again, uh, if there's 40 and the Lord said, if I find 40, now I'm paraphrasing this in the 29th verse. And he said unto him, Oh, let the Lord not be angry. I will speak pre-adventure there. there be 30 found. And, and so the Lord replies to him, I will not do it if I find 30. And he goes on to ask the Lord again, what about 20? And Lord, what about, uh, you know, if 
and the Lord speaks to him and let him know, no, not even for 10. I won't even, if there are 10, if you, if there are 10, 10, I'll spare them. And the Lord, the Bible said the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Amos. So after he had stopped communing, so there was more conversation that went on. And so the Bible said that he left after after he had commune, communing with Abram and Abram returned unto his place. Now, Abram had something to think about now. The Lord has come and visited and there's some things that he that he is going to carry out or at least his servants are going to carry out his will. And my nephew, they, they have gone down there. My nephew, his wife, his uh, daughters are now in that area. And of course, there is a concern. Maybe you have family members in a certain area and there's concerns. You ought to hold them up in prayer as Abram held his family up in prayer. I believe that's where he was, that he was going with all of this. But they didn't, there was not enough to make up, um, uh, to prepare raft. There was not enough for a life raft to save everybody because the cry was great. Well, today our population has grown. There's more people today on the earth than there was at that time. How great is the cry today compared to what it was then? There is certainly more sin today than there was in that day because there's more people committing sin. Don't be one of them. Don't make excuses to compromise your salvation. Uh, we recently, someone asked me today, they asked if I watched the, um, the music, the musical representing or the music celebration that they had representing uh, Juneteenth. And, and I had not, I actually forgot about it, but they were, they were expressing disappointment of how uh, someone that was on there who is supposed to be a believer I really don't use the phrase Christian much because uh, everybody is a Christian, but are you a practicing Christian? You know, the reason, the thing that made the difference in, in when they called them Christian is that they saw them and they mirrored uh, the characters of Christ, the characteristics of Christ. Are you mirroring the characteristics of Christ? Meaning that you are consciously living a holy life. You're consciously living a separated life unto the Lord. You're not doing a bunch of stuff that look like you're not saved, sanctified, look like you're not separated unto the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about being pious and, you know, your hands folded and you wearing uh, certain clothing and, you know, what, um, what people consider church clothing. I, I consider anything you put on that's not provocative, whether male or female, as being something decent to go to church in. You know, go to church as you are, go seek the Lord. Uh, ladies, if you don't have a dress to wear uh, and all you have is your pants, then go to service, go to church. Uh, gentlemen, uh, don't go to church wearing uh, skinny jeans and, and showing everything about yourself. You can you can loosen things up and, you know, it, it, this is not a fashion thing to go, but we're all going to seek the Lord, no matter what state of being that we're in. The Bible said, come as you are. And, and so it doesn't mean come. I'm not talking about being disrespectful when I say that, you know, I'm talking about uh, presenting yourselves and your heart unto the Lord so that God can work with you, that God can help you. And, and prayerfully, the ministers are in that state of mind uh, that, um, you know, you don't, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. You first have to catch the fish and then you can clean it. My grandfather used to fish. Uh, every Saturday, my grandfather would go fishing. And, and so I, I, I grew up eating a lot of fish. I love fish even to today. And so um, he would go fishing and I learned how to clean fish. And um, he had all kind of uh, hooks and weights and different things to go fishing with 
And you have to be careful walking around um, not to accidentally step on a hook that may have uh, fallen out to, off the box or something like that, because I've seen that happen. But you cannot clean the fish until you catch it. And too often we try to clean the fish and we haven't even caught it yet. After you, after you catch it, then you can scale it. Then you can gut it. Then you can have a fish fry if, if that's what you're going to do. No, we're not frying people. But listen, you understand what I'm saying. And, and so there is a process to everything. But it starts with wisdom. It starts with knowledge. It starts with understanding. It starts with talking to God because the Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask the Lord. And so we're asking of the Lord to give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding so that we can lead our children and those that look up, look to us as that we set examples and lead them, our employees and people that are under our care, certainly the, the church of God, uh, the, the children of the Lord, which does not belong to any pastor, does not belong to any minister, but they belong unto the Lord. He's the one that shed his blood. God shed his blood for the church. I have not shed my blood for the church. I've made some sacrifices. I'm available, but I've not shed my blood. I've not suffered physical harm in that way. I've suffered some things. I have testimonies, but you understand what I'm saying. He died upon the cross. The church belongs to him, not to any man, not to any woman. And so we have to go to God and ask him to give us that wisdom, knowledge and understanding to help but lead us, you know, and then cry out for souls. Look how Abram is crying out, Lord, if there's 50, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 10, if there's 20, Lord, will you spare them? Spare them because of these righteous and the Lord said he would. Let's be righteous that the Lord spare somebody. Let's be a, a mediator for somebody. Let's stand in the gap for somebody. Let's be there so that someone that is in need, they may not get the deliverance in that moment, but because you stood in the gap, Holy Ghost, bless you, Jesus. Because you stood in the gap, God spared their life. You made the difference. Your presence, your voice, Lord have mercy on them, made the difference. It don't matter how high they was, it don't matter how if they overdosed, it don't matter if they did not stop the same day of what they were doing. It doesn't matter if for the next five years they still continue down the same path. You were the one that stood in the gap and their life was spared, no matter how rough it may have gotten until that deliverance, until they accepted that deliverance. Can you stand in the gap today? Will you stand in the gap? Will you cry out on someone else's behalf? A wise woman uh, told my mentor, I have a young man, his name is Overseer, um, Overseer Moore, and um, love him, look up to him and, and his family. And he taught me, he said, you know, he said, as I was taught by my pastor, he said, I was instructed, don't be selfish with your prayers. We find so often that... Uh, and I'm not saying this is everybody when I use the term so often, but but if you listen to people, they're they're most they're talking about praying for themselves. That's selfish. Don't don't just pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for others. The Bible again. The Bible said you reap what you sow, and I I guarantee you because it's the word of God, it's the universal law. So that if you are praying for others, someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you. You don't have to see them. You don't have to uh, be in their presence, but God know how to use whom he's going to use and put you on someone's heart in their prayer for you. I strongly believe that I am a recipient of my ancestors praying 
and because of the wealth of ministers that are in my family line, and everyone is not a minister, everyone is not a pastor or anything like that. But when I look at my family history, I do see um, ministers and I, I do see a few pastors and I'm like, wow. And, and, and here I am today. And I'm like, Lord, somebody was praying for me. Some, I'm a recipient of someone's prayer. I was a recipient of someone's prayer when I was intoxicated. Uh, all those years, as I look back, 33 uh, years, 33 years ago, I, I don't have anything rolled up, uh, hitting it. Whereas 33 years ago and some months, I, I did because that was a lifestyle that I had. And, you know, I was constant. I was a what you call a functioning dependent. But somebody was praying for me. And my life changed. Somebody stood in the gap. And it made a difference. I don't think when they was praying for me that they ever imagined that I would become a brotherhood president, that I would become the, 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 the assistant head deacon, that I would become associate minister, that I would be over the evangelistic team, that I would uh, walk into the pastoral ship and, and hold a, a position on the executive board of bishops, not being labeled a bishop, but on the board. I never imagined that, but it started because somebody prayed for me. Someone helped me up. Before my pastor's demise, when I came to the church, she had testified and said that she had a dream and saw me coming in running for my life, running at enormous speed. And, you know, there's the only way I could describe it. And, and I have been running for my life since then, but she saw it first. Somebody was praying for me. I didn't change overnight because uh, it was a few times that <laughs> that I was asked, when are you going to come to church? And I was like, uh, I got to go to work. And, and so I didn't immediately respond to it. But when God stepped in, when God started to move because of the prayer that was going, that was being that I was that was they was praying for me, fear started to come up on my life. And I became very afraid. I didn't want to go to sleep at night because I was scared. I knew I needed to seek the Lord and wasn't nobody saying anything to me. No one even told me how much they was praying for me until afterwards, until I had committed my life to the Lord. 33 years ago. The change has been drastic. <laughs> it's been great. My mother saw the difference in my life. She got saved before her demise. My, my brother followed. My sister followed. They saw the change. Others saw the change. And I don't talk about my position at work or anything like that. I, I hold up the bloodstained banner. I don't walk around talking about being a minister. I don't walk around talking about anything except my responsibilities. And, and they said their own testimony of what they see different. Something is that we, we know you go to church. But somebody had prayed for me. Someone stood in the gap and made the difference. I am so grateful. I am so thankful to those that did. And that's what Abram was doing. Lord, if you, let's stand in the gap. Whoever it is, you're going to hold them up. When you fast, don't fast for a car. No, God know how to bless you without you doing that. Trust me. Trust the word of God. When you fast, fast for souls, Lord, bless our church to grow. Bless souls that I that see the example or souls that I've witnessed to or those that I invite or my neighbors or my loved ones. Lord God, bless them 
Don't, don't fast for yourself. Fast for someone else. And that's what we teach at Cornerstone. When you fasting, we're not fasting for things. We're fasting for souls. We, we'll talk about how to get things. We'll talk about how to come up, you know, and, and to and how to make a difference financially and economically. We, we can talk about those things. That uh, that that's like ABC, easy as one, two, three. Do re me, um, you know, uh, all of that. But let's remember others and stand in the gap. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your word this evening, Lord. Thank you for your grace, your, your mercy, and how you have blessed us to, to exalt your word above ourselves, above everything. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one of the sound of my voice as they have listened so patiently. And Lord, observing your word, Lord God, thank you for blessing us. Lord God, we honor you, Lord, for your love and kindness. Honor you for the testimony that you have given, not only to me, but to others. Lord God, as you have blessed them, as someone has prayed for them as well. And here we are to say thank you. Here we are to give you glory and honor that's due unto your name. The name that has given us salvation for there's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Lord, so we honor your name. We honor you, Lord God, for who you are and what you're able to do. You're able to save. Lord, save, Lord. Save the souls of others. Lord God, bless us to be the examples. Lord, bless us to, to know what to say, to season our words with grace. Lord Jesus, as you have blessed us, if you have changed our lives, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to, uh, to display that to others. Lord Jesus, and, and to show compassion to Lord Jesus, Abraham was asking uh, about the, the few, Lord God, that their lives would be spared. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. We'll continue to give you praise and to give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in this, this uh, for our Bible class. and. You know, continue to pray for me as I am praying for you. The Lord say the same. We'll be back on, on Sunday morning uh, into the word of God. Again, this is Inside the Pages with Pastor Carl Henderson. That's me. Continue to pray for me. Sponsored by the Cornerstone of Grace. All right. Be blessed.